0: Welcome again, thanks for being the uh, faithful few when everybody's out of town. (laughs) Um, We had been studying in this uh, class the book of Romans, we're pretty much done with that, and so um, I'm still wrestling with where to go next, so you get a different life verse here. And uh, this one is actually um, one that's been meaningful to me uh, in my life. and. so I, I, I want to start, about it, start it this way. You know, these, these cool moments with your kids, uh, like I talked about earlier, these, um, you know our, our oldest son is 19 now. And so it's interesting to me the things that he will notice and talk about. Uh, and so we were actually watching Cobra Kai <laughs> the other day together. And, and before we started, he said um, he, he's working in the uh, restaurant industry, uh, the, the uh, new Harpeth Hotel that's here in downtown Franklin. So he works there, he works half the time as a, as a barista in the coffee shop, but then the other part, he, uh, he works in the restaurant. Um, so there's a lot of, of, of young folks there that are like him. And it was interesting, his two observations, he hadn't talked a whole lot about these kind of things, but he said there, there are two things that he's noticed over the course of the last few weeks. He said the first thing is it just grieves him, I'm not sure he said that word, but it bothers him that people can't disagree Without being in intense conflict like it's like he's as a a 19 year old we all feel that a little bit right but but he said it I just hate the fact people can have different opinions like please have different opinions but for some reason people can't seem to have different opinions about COVID or about politics about religion about anything without going to like hatred and division and all that so that was one thing he experienced the other thing he experienced that that all of us have had, if, if you walk in faith long enough, you'll have some pocket of place where you'll you'll feel this. But he said, it, it feels like it's increasingly difficult or you get a lot of flack for being an outspoken Christian. Not, not a jerk Christian, not that kind of thing, but just the fact that he goes to church and that he values Jesus and all that. And it was, I mean, he's 19, but it was so sweet just to hear this. That this is not a kind of a David kind of thing I usually hear, but he said, why can't people just love Jesus? <laughs> i love that it was kind of great so why can't we have like healthy meaningful conversations and why can't people just like love jesus or at least respect that i love jesus i think that's kind of what what he wanted to get at and and it raised for me this thought that leads into the text i want to look at today throughout history of faith one of the very difficult questions or common questions that people have had to wrestle with is how do believers relate to the rest of the world around them and, and in my experience there's I'm, I'm oversimplifying here but in my experience there's two ditches that we can drive into that I would really hope we avoid. One is this culture war kind of picture of faith right and our relationship like I hate that language culture wars and all that like it's our job to go to war against the people around us. Like That's not quite the picture I I get spiritual warfare I get all that but it's this like sometimes let's be honest we as faith people are the ones that start the fights well, can we just own that and be honest about it? We, we start the fights and so that's a ditch we can drive in we relate to the culture but we're starting off in a higher than fist up kind of approach well that that doesn't seem healthy to me um, I grew up in that kind of environment at least that mindset I used to have the bullets in my gun, of Bible verses, and shoot it at the Baptist and all that kind of stuff. Um, That's not where I am. But here's what I can fall into. I become the camouflage guy. Like it doesn't come out in my life at all. And I just, I don't want to cause any conflict. I don't want to bother anybody. I don't want to make anybody mad. So, you know, I can, I can go to the sheriff's office. I mean, I'm, I'm a chaplain, so they know you know, kind of what I am, but I could go and interact with people for a long time and never talk about Jesus at all, never do Jesus stuff at all. And again, I don't want to shove it down somebody's throat, but I'm just admitting to you that I struggle sometimes wanting to be the camouflage Christian too. I want to hide it because I don't want to make anybody mad. And I don't know about you, but it feels like neither one of those are the right way to go. And wouldn't it be great if God gave us some wisdom on how how do we interact with the culture around us in healthy ways? And and there's this guy, we got a lot of stuff in the New Testament from this guy who can be really irritating in some places, but overall, he, like anybody, is trying to follow Jesus and happens to be inspired in some of the stuff he writes here. A guy named Paul. So can you picture this? Paul grew up as a Jewish guy in a world that was intensely racially divided and socially divided divided and religiously divided between Jews and non-Jews. He also is brilliant. He's like a Ph.D., literally, kind of, almost. He studied at the feet of Gamaliel. I mean, he was like, he studied under the most brilliant guy. Like, not just, he's a Princeton Ph.D., right? And then, the crazy, crazy work of God calls this Jewish, brilliant Ph.D. guy to go hang out with dusty, dirty, cussing, weirdo, pagan Gentiles. Like he's the apostle, like who could you pick that would be a worse apostle to the Gentiles than this guy? And the rest of his life, Paul has to navigate these relationships where he is called into the crazy cultures around him, by the way, I would say his religious culture is pretty crazy too, but he's called into the crazy cultures around him and to be a person who is representing his word, ambassador of Jesus to this culture. So maybe we can learn something from uh, so I want to I read this text in, in uh, First Thessalonians. I, I probably won't even mention why it is a life verse to me, but this passage reminds me of my father, the last seven years of his life, when he became a Christian and was all in for Jesus. But there's nothing I'll probably refer to than that, but that's, that's why I kind of, like, what's a passage that I'd like to share? This is one. First Thessalonians chapter 2, and we'll read, um, we'll read uh, 12 verses here, and we'll focus on it in two chunks. If you're just joining us, by the way, and I know it's a little harder in this room, but I don't just lecture. I already did that part. Okay, that lecture's over. This is, this is class, you know, conversation. Um, last thing I'll say, this is one of the earliest letters in the New Testament. And one of the reasons we have this letter is because Paul couldn't finish the work he was doing in this little church in Thessalonica. So he went, planted a church, he shared the gospel, he's a missionary. And then, like, wherever Paul went, riots happened. Cause, and it was religious people who started the riots, so religious riots break out, and he had to leave. And so I think it's been a little while since I look at this, but it's it's only a matter of weeks, maybe a couple months that he's been there. So he comes, and can you imagine, like brand new church? <laughs> and so Paul writes this letter to kind of share his heart with them, and part of what he shares is the approach that he has relating to the world so i want to read this i've got some notes down here that i promise i'll share but i'd love to hear what you hear and what do you learn from paul and how do we relate to culture in ways that are different than the fist up in the air or the camouflage um, clothing on first thessalonians 2 i'm gonna read the first six verses first you know brothers and sisters that our visit to you was not without results We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. We, you know that we never use flattery, nor did we, did we put on a mask, pardon the pun, to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not for you or anyone else. I'm gonna stop there, let me, let me read it again. And then I just throw it out. And, and we've got a mic, that you can talk so people can hear, or I'll, I'll just repeat what you say so people can know what's been said. But I'd love to hear, what is there a word or phrase or something that grabs you here? What do you learn from this guy about what he didn't do when he related to culture and what he did do? You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. You know we never use flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. What do you notice? Anything at all about how he relates to the culture around him? Say again? He was about God's approval, not man's. Yeah. He was about God's approval, not man's, right? And that it's easy, like I to me, that's the one that leaps off the page for me, for for me as well, right? And it's easy to say, oh yeah, he he wants to please God, not people. I'm just telling you, I've gotten into the worst messes of my life sometimes when I care more about what other people think about me than what God thinks about me. Uh, and and there is it is possible to get in a posture. Where we live our entire lives based on the reactions of other people. In fact, part of the reason that I can go camouflage, Kristen, is because I don't want to offend anybody. Right? I can hide from because I'm literally trying to get people to prove me. Again, that's not an invitation to be a jerk, but to be real. Right. Thinking of some way.
1: Hmm. Hmm. I like that. Person, not for right. I'm, I'm living
0: within him. Oh, I love that. I love that. So well, let me repeat it for. So living for out of God's abundance is that what we said? Instead of trying to earn His approval, right? So it's a different. I love that you this is part of what we have to do with the text here right so paul says i'm looking for god's approval i'm not he's already in it you're bringing out that's paul saying i'm i'm coming." i've already been given the grace of god he'll say i am who i am but i i think paul that's a, another way of saying really what paul's after i'm living out of the relationship i already have with god not my own inadequacies is what else i also heard you Yeah so, so powerful. Yeah, and let me say that again, so so people know it. It's easier to live that way, is it not? Like, again, maybe, maybe a lot of you don't struggle with this, again, and I have a lot in my life. It is a prison to live life based on other people's expectations. It's a prison, because once you get more than one, you're not going to please everybody, and then you become this, I'll I'll say for me, then I become this ping-pong, and I'm just bouncing all over the place, I, I remember a couple of experiences I throw out. I remember, um, and again, I'm sure I've said this before, back when I was in Texas, and again, we're speaking to, you know, two, 250, 300 college students every Wednesday, and there was me, and one of my dearest friends was um, our uh, intern then, <clears throat> and then became an associate and then took over later, and he and I both would often wrestle with not feeling like we were enough, and and there are a few situations when you're kind of sharing in a public setting more that that... Can, can create that fear more than when you're talking to 20-somethings, just being honest, right? You guys are kind, and even though I may put you to sleep, at least you'll fake it most of the time. College students don't even try to fake it, right? You know right away <laughs> whether it's real or not. And so I remember nobody intended to do this, but this became the rhythm. Uh, I would speak one week, my friend David would speak the next, and we would always go to the back, and one or the other would come up and start affirming. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's cool. It's but I realized what a prison it became. Like, I needed to know whether I did a good job or not. And, and I contrast that when, um, and again, I'm talking kind of ministry settings. Uh, forgive me, because that's my world. But, but you can apply it to anything. You know, I, I, I had the same experiences with, with law when I worked in the law office. I remember the first day I worked in the law office in, in Brentwood. And um, I'm trying to make a good impression and we're doing a will, you know, so that's, what I do wills and estates, and so we're doing a will, and so you want to have this, you know, nice, you're trying to make death pretty, but we're having a nice pretty folder with a name on it and all that stuff, and I came and brought it in to the lead attorney I was working on, and he said, um, this isn't, you, know, you have a template, right, so you'll start, and it says Joe Baker or whatever, and then you put the real names in. Well, I printed Joe Baker, and it was on the front of the thing, and, and he was real kind, but he said, can you go, you go put the right thing in the front of the notebook yes sir first day could you not go in go back and do it print it out again I fire it out again um and I went and doggone it if I didn't put the wrong one back in I did it again and he looked at me like what are you doing and who did I just hire and I'm like I'm telling you like for a moment it was like wrecking my world now it was a pretty stupid moment but whether it's ministry or something else I'm just telling you if If I am basing who I am on my performance in the moment and somebody else's recognition of it, it is literally a prison. And Paul says, can we not have that interaction with culture? Now, I contrast that with uh, my campus minister. His name was Roy. And I remember we were driving to a a high school. One thing worse than talking to college students, if you want to worry about attention, is high school students. So we were going to a high school camp, and he was asked to speak on women's roles in the church. And this was like 30 years ago. So how about that, Right. And I remember driving there, and, and um, I know he had a crazy busy week, a lot of pastoral things going on. And I said, I said are you nervous, man? I'd be scared to death because on a topic like that, I want to read every book in the history of man and do all that kind of stuff. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm not just not thinking about it, but I'm pretty much at peace because I worked as hard as I could, and I'm going to give him what I have. Seems so simple, but I worked really hard. There's 20 things I wished I could have done, didn't have time for it. I'm gonna give them what I have and I'm gonna let it go. I'm like, oh wow, that's a better way to live. That's like a better way to live. You know, I did the best I could this morning. I I don't care. At this point, don't care. I mean, I love it, but I, I don't care what you think. I gave what I got, I'm done, right? And what if we did that with everything in our lives? I'm telling you, it's really hard, but if I have this posture and we're talking about it as we relate to culture, what if I'm coming into it saying I'm a mess? Like that's what helps me to start. I'm just a mess and God accepts me there and God's not finished with me yet either. So I'm not going to stay a mess or at least less of a mess tomorrow than today, hopefully. And over the course of time, like if the promise is true, God's going to finish his work. So if I start with that, then I can come into the environment if somebody doesn't take what I have to give, okay. I think the image... In scripture was shake the dust off your feet. Like okay, doesn't mean I don't care. It means I'm not a slave to other people's perceptions. So thank you so much, Wade. That was an incredible picture on that. Other things that come to mind from this section. Say again. I love that i love that so part of what comes out here kimberly points out entrusted with the gospel just let let those words sink in in Entru- like paul never forgot the weightiness of the gift he had with the story of freedom and life and hope that he found in jesus he never forgot he never You know, he he never failed to kind of be blown away. How many times have you heard him say, man, I was the chief of sinners, I I don't deserve to be an apostle, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. He was blown away by the gift, and he views it as a trust. Again, I'll put my lawyer hat on for a moment. When you are given a trust, that is a very important legal relationship. It means there's something incredibly valuable that is placed in your hands, your care, your resources for a little while, but listen to this, it's not for you. That's what a trust is. When you're given a trust, you are a fiduciary, is the fancy word for it, which means you have to treat what was given to you with the appropriate care that you would as if it were yours, but it's not yours, you do that for someone else. And and this is why I can't stay in a camouflage mode, because I'm telling you, I wouldn't probably be alive if it weren't for the grace and the mercy and the love of God. I just, I wouldn't be alive. And if that weren't lived out in communities like this or in communities outside of this where people try to live that out. Now, how unbelievably self centered of me would it be if I was given this gift and I just get into a little group of comfortable people and never risk being uncomfortable with somebody else to at least in some way offer that? Now, none of this is evangelistic stuff, knock on the door, beat people over the head kind of thing. That's all I'm talking about. But about I don't know, when when I see people like I talked about before, Mrs. Hicks or Paul or others who are so appreciative of the gift they've been entrusted with, they can't help but it's spilling out in some way to the people around them. I want to be a spiller, not a beat over the head or not the fist, but also not to hide and hold that trust. We've been entrusted with something and when it's a trust, I love that you bring that word out. A trust is given for the sake of someone else. Paul never forgot that, Yeah. <laughs> oh that's so good yeah
1: yeah yeah oh that's so powerful Wow! Oh, that's so good. That's
0: so great. That's so great. So we got a school teacher telling us you're and this is true for all of our walks of life, you spill out whether you know it or not. Uh, paul Paul says this you you reap what you sow we're all reaping something right (laughs) we're all giving something or or the image throughout scripture is fruit Jesus says they'll they'll know you by your fruit you can't help but to bear fruit of something and the fruit is messed up brokenness and corruption and all that stuff that will that's so well said right now I, i i think paul moves from just spilling to he's thoughtful and you are too so there is a move to be made. So it doesn't mean we just do nothing. I do think we can be intentional, thoughtful, graceful, in the way that we spe- we can actually learn how to do that in, in more meaningful ways. Got more? So- yes. Yes. Yeah. Can't fool
1: kids. Yes.
0: And that's one I've I've talked. I've joked a little bit about a couple things that are difficult to speak to uh, to young adults and to to high school students and all that. One of the things I love is they know it if you care about them, because you can't fake it. But they do know it. Now, here's the thing. I think uh, again, if you didn't hear that, what Dave said, that they will know it if you, you. It's no. It's no good just to talk unless you're not living it out. I believe the culture, in its relationship to Christians, is the same way. I'm not saying culture is always right, by any stretch of the imagination, but I think they know it, the people outside of a given community will know whether we're just notching our gun, whether we're just, you know, bumper sticker in our faith, whether we're just trying to get another uh, butt in the pew, or whether we actually care about the community we're part of. They know it, they'll call it. People know, this is one of the things I keep talking about, with, with all of our transition, Fourth is still fourth, because people can come here and be here for one or two weeks and say, look, I don't like this, I don't like that guy speaking, I don't like that, but there's something like this isn't like, why? Because people love each other and care. You, people know it, and the people in the community, what I hear from One General away and what I hear from some of our African-American pastors in the community that are talking to us, at a wonderful lunch out a couple weeks ago that say, we trust you as a church, and we don't trust a lot of white churches. I just point that out. Don't have it all together. We don't have it all perfect. But our culture will know whether we're just trying to check off the evangelism box or whether we actually care about the people we're in the community with. Well said. Beautiful. Oh, interesting. I'm not in what they think about what difference between the teacher, I'm just letting people hear difference between the teacher of the year that teachers vote for and teacher of the month that students vote for. Teacher of the month is more valuable, right? Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. Yes, yes. And, and again, this is some Jesus stuff. Doesn't mean there aren't times we conflict with our culture. But there is a spirit. Like, I, I never stop. I never get tired of saying this. Like sinful people love Jesus. Like sinners who Jesus disagreed with loved him. Would dig holes through the roof to hum, come and hang out with him. We're doing a pretty good job. People aren't doing that yet. Like, are people knocking down the door to hang out with? Well, maybe. But you know what I'm saying? Like, yes. Can we be the kind of people that even may have different perspectives and views, kind of like my son is saying. Can we have different views sometimes, even with our culture, but do it in such a radically loving way? I, this is what I love about Jesus. He was annoyingly loving. Like, we got to kill this dude <laughs> because we disagree with him. But doggone it if he doesn't, like, take a step down in relationship to it. It's mesmerizing to me. Yeah, shot. Jewish person on the Zoom call. I love the teaching. And
1: there's another little story I've been doing through my head right now. I wish I knew who the professor was or whatever, because it's someone's famous in someone else's church. They were talking, this professor said to one of his students, he said, I'm going to give you an assignment, but no matter what, you're going to get an A.
0: Hmm. Teacher gives an assignment, no matter what, you get an A. And they end up getting, wow. He said,
1: because I knew I already had an A, I gave it my best, my best child. Wow, wow. And, and, you know, that's the same way we could just look at our own lives. Yeah. So we only knew who
0: we really learned we could give back. You already got the A. You already got the grade, you already, yes, yeah, and you live I up to it. Up just, you that's that's why you, you, I refer to the first part of it, I'll refer to the second part of it. One of my favorite life verses, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, "I do not deserve to be called an apostle, but by the grace of God, I am what I am." But here's this is all right. He already got the A. You know what he says at the end? So I worked even harder. I, I didn't get that one. When, when I was little, I thought it was all about works, and you work to get the grade. Then I'll be honest. Then I got the grade. And I thought, oh, okay, grace gives you the grade, and so we just sit back and do nothing. <laughs> no. By the grace of God, I worked even harder than all the rest because he gave me this gift, and so I'm going to live it. Thank you, Jacques, absolutely. That's exactly what he's he's talking about here, living out of that trust. Anything else in that first section? Man, I love talking with you guys. You're so wonderful. Yes. Yes. walking around with approval of god i think that's part of what wade was saying i already have this abundance that's what jock's saying that we have this grade already right Um, i remember one of the most powerful sermons on forgiveness i ever heard it was off of that text that says forgive one another as god in christ has forgiven you and that's in ephesians right you know what says the beginning of ephesians he chose you you remember when he chose you This is pretty powerful before the creation of the world he already picked you he said you're mine now you get to choose back and you can say no but he said I'm picking you before the creation of the world which means you don't get fr- I used to I grew up thinking man I sinned I, sin, I got to run and confess right away I do believe in confession that practice but but I believe I wasn't until I said it and boy I make sure I get to say it. no no here's listen to this language you stand forgiven before God you're already there now there are practices that we can work at and we grow into that even more, but you stand forgiven. And so somebody came to my office earlier this, uh, last week and said, I just want to share with something with you. I want to repent for something. And I'm like, first of all as, as often as the case for someone with a heart like this, they, they didn't wrong me. And I didn't, you know, I want to say you don't, you didn't, you didn't do anything wrong. You don't even need to repent. But this is what I said to him. I said, you stand forgiven with me, even if you had. Why? Because I'm some superior? No, because we forgive as God in Christ forgave us. Boy, what a challenge, right? That we walk around in human relationships in a posture of forgiveness because we already have been approved approved by God. Now, that's hard. Now, and we also, that doesn't mean there aren't consequences for actions and all that kind of stuff, doesn't mean there aren't emotions and feelings we have to process. But existentially, fancy word. Now, in, in the core of my being, when I'm at my healthiest, you already are forgiven, and you haven't, whether or not you've done anything. And that comes out of And Paul is able to relate to that culture this way. Think about all these times he goes in. He, he mentions, by the way, here, uh, the crazy stuff that happened in Philippi. Right? Maybe you remember the story. So he goes into Philippi. He's walking around. This crazy girl starts following him. And she's saying, he, you know, talking about Jesus, he's the son of the most high God and all this stuff. I love this story. Paul is annoyed, so he heals her. (laughs) This isn't this great pastoral holy moment. Oh, I feel for the, he, she's bugging him. So he casts the demon out in the name of Jesus. And then it gets funnier because they've been using her. That part's not funny, but they've been using her to make money. You can pay for the fortune cookie lady. And all of a sudden, they lost their fortune cookie and their business. So they get really mad and they start a riot and they throw him in prison. And you remember this story? And there's a big old earthquake. By the way, they're thrown in prison. What is Paul doing? Singing. What? You're crazy. They, it, language severely flogged him. And he's singing in prison. Earthquake, bust open the doors. The jailer's about to kill himself because you don't let your prisoners go free. And then Paul goes out that night and baptizes them with a shredded back and his whole family. So don't rush past those words. Paul said, we we had some crazy stuff happen in Philippi. Yeah, that stuff. And you know what he did? He went back in the city and kept talking about Jesus. That's not camouflage. (laughs) It's powerful stuff. Why? Because he's living out of that God-approved, God-gifted moment. All right, you can keep talking on these, but let's read the next section. This, is, this, is what, this is, includes some of my favorite part, but <clears throat> you share what you, what you see. Uh, I'll pick up in verse 6 again read the rest of that. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ we could have asserted our authority. Instead, one way to translate this, we were like young children among you. Another way to translate this is we were gentle among you. Um, he may be mixing his metaphor I kind of prefer gentle because then it's not a weird flip on the metaphor immediately after but however you want to do it we were gentle among you just as a nursing mother cares for her children so we cared for you because we loved you so much we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God but our very lives as well Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone (coughs) while we preach the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each other as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Let me read that one more time. What do you notice last few minutes? We were not looking for praise from you, from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were gentle or like young children among you, just as a nursing mother cares for her children. So we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father who deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. What do you notice there about how Paul relates to the people around him? Talking all day, so you need to help me. It's
1: interesting how God as a father, but not a, not father, Oh, but yes. It, yes. Not words, also, yes.
0: Oh, beautiful shock. Yes. What, um, I, I always say this when we have these metaphors of God as Father. I always have Donald Miller in the back of my head where he wrote a book. He had terrible experience of Father and so we start here and then we move, but he said when God chose father as a metaphor, he made a bad marketing mistake. Because <laughs> not all fathers are great. But part of what's great about this is God actually redeems it. Some of us have had wonderful fathers, but others have not. And so I love that. That's one of the first things that grabbed me too, Jacques. This is the kind of dad we want. Encouraging, picking you up, urging you, kind of calling you up to something, not tearing you down. Beautiful, thank you. <clears throat> what else do you see?
1: Yeah.
0: Yes. Right. Me like that. Yes. 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 Like he is not a prima donna. He's not a diva. Right. Um, I love the way you put it he, he's not coming saying do you know who I am I, I love the language he starts out with it also fits with your image of father here he said we could have come in with our apostle cards asserting our authority but that's not what we did one of the reasons I've looked around to see several of my shepherds I love you man you have authority you are the authority of God in my life you don't come wearing that like a badge you get down on your knees and you love us and you care for us and you go through difficult things for us i love you that's what it looks like to shepherd a community that's what it looks like to be an apostle in the community paul is willing to take shots for them not to come lord and sometimes you got to call him out and he'll do that but he doesn't come with a big stick and boy how often Has the church in relation to the culture come out like this? We've got all the answers and you're getting it wrong and you're destroying the world and everything's going to hell in the handbag, say it, and now come and love Jesus with us. (laughs) I wouldn't want to go to that either. Uh, By the way, when we're given the trust of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's an incredible place of power and authority. To dare to speak for God in any way is a powerful thing, and power starts flying around when we use God terms. So maybe we ought to be really careful with it, as Paul was. And he doesn't come with a hammer most of the time. And I think one of the most important things of all the stuff, and it rises to the top, That you, I love that you're bringing this out. The mo- For me, the most important characteristic that we can have as a body of believers towards our community is the posture of humility can we shut up sometimes can we can we just end declare an, uh, a peace in the culture war i am not at war with the culture jesus died for the world doesn't mean i agree with everything that's going on But maybe I ought to saddle up and go into the fray like Paul did and like Jesus did for the sake of the world instead of going to battle against it and stop, for me, acting like a Uh, know-it-all. And Paul is one of the people and and actually comes on the heel of Peter doing this. we talked about this before. It's amazing to me that God gave the mission of the gospel going to the Gentiles not to the apostle Peter but to a dude that wasn't even in the story yet. His name's Cornelius. Go read that you find is that Peter needed to be converted by going to the world and not the other way around maybe we would actually learn something by engaging our community with a posture of humility because big secret Jesus is out there he's out there just as much as he is here, (laughs) and he may shock us he's the one who said I have not found faith like this in all of Israel Jesus found the heroes of faith in places that didn't look like this maybe we ought to look that way too so can I go to my culture first to learn and then to share not in camouflage or conflict then it becomes what this is a conversation and maybe we all grow I don't know Paul did that pretty powerful ways thank you so much that picture of humility is amazing yeah Giving them what they need. Yep. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. Incredibly intimate picture, is it not? So you bring out the image of of a mother. Yes. Yes. And by the way, when you put those two together, what Jock said, like your row has got it all. You just kind of put your row together here. Isn't it kind of cool? Paul says, I could come with the big judge card, the big God card. He doesn't. He comes as a mother and a father. Isn't that kind of cool? He comes as both. And and so the picture that's driving Paul is not a war against culture, which by the way that both metaphors work. So conflict or camouflage are both war kind of thing. I'm not warring against culture. He said, it's my family. I'm going to treat the people I'm interacting as a family. And what do we do? We nurture, we care, and sometimes family confronts and helps grow, and challenge, and all of that, but it is a family posture, one of the many, many reasons I love this church, this church is family first, and I really do believe one of the reasons we came here is we didn't just like things that are going on, we believe in the mission of the church, the mission of the church says we're going to be family, not just to the people sitting in here, but to the people in our community, and we care about that, and we're leaning into it, and Paul says that's my posture, it's a posture of family to the rest of the community, last thing I'll say because we are run out of time my favorite line in all of this and this is the goal of my life and I do think of my father when I think about this but he said we were delighted to share with you did you catch what he said and Dave this reminds me of all the stuff you were talking about not only the gospel of God but what our very lives as well Paul says I'm going to tell you the story but I'm going to live it with you too and the two are not separate and when Paul went when he went to Corinth he he dug in there for three years. He was only here for a few months. But isn't it amazing? A couple months, a couple weeks, however long he was there, he's the language of family and mother and father and caring. But wow, when Paul was in a community, he was all in. When we are here in the community, we are all in. And he says, I'm, I, here's how I avoid the ditch. I'm not a camouflage. He's talking about Jesus. He's somehow going to get to the good news of this guy, Jesus, who has changed his life. In indescribable ways. And he's going to live with them. Day in and day out. Through all the ups and downs. Through all the forgiveness that has to happen. It's Glorious, isn't it? And that's what we get to do here. We don't attend church. We live life together. And it's not always easy, is it? But I think that's when the gospel of Jesus shines even more. When we don't look like people who just check out and give up. Because things get hard Paul says, I'm all in with all of you and I'm all in with the culture around me and it's a glorious thing to see. I love doing that with you. Please be praying about where we're going for the next few weeks. Um, I have come on that. I'm wrestling with different things. I will take any discernment that you have on what would be a good theme or topic or scriptures or passages for this time. Uh, Let me pray for us. Father God, we love you and we love you so much. I thank you for so loving the world you gave. You could be the God who comes only with authority. Of course, you have all authority. But you also come in this incredible posture of a cross, self-sacrificing love for the world. And I pray that you give that to us as we relate to people who know you and who don't know you. That we would give the story that has changed all of our lives. But we also live with each other in patient, gentle, loving, family-like ways. And we do all of it through the power of Jesus and for the glory of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Thank you.